0: are amazed at jesus is walking on the water it says then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed chapter 10 verse 24 and 26 the people are amazed at his pronouncement that it is difficult for the rich to enter into the kingdom of god and 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 chapter 7 they're amazed that jesus is curing uh, of a deaf man and in chapters 11 and 12, they're again amazed at his teaching. In chapter 15 of of Mark, verse 5, it says that Pilate was amazed at his lack of reply when he was on trial, his own defense trial. He said nothing. Aren't you going to answer? See how these many things they're accusing of, but Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. Amazed. Amazed a common reaction to Jesus' teaching, his miraculous healing, his power, his exorcism of evil spirits. You count through the Gospels, you read the word amazed 32 different times regarding the people's reaction to Jesus. But there are only two times. There are only two times where we read that Jesus himself was amazed. The first one is in Luke chapter 7, and I encourage you. turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 7. The the caption in my NIV is the faith of the centurion and beginning at verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to his people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the town to him asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I love this. Jesus is amazed at the centurion's faith. I mean, this is a Roman centurion in charge of hundreds of of soldiers. Again, he's Roman. the, The Romans are occupying the land of Israel. There was animosity between uh, the Romans and the Israelites, and and this centurion, he's got this. I believe it was a young boy um, who was a prodigy, a slave, a servant. Uh, but he goes, this woman's centurion, he goes to the Jews and he asks them to uh, to 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 go to Jesus uh, to ask for this favor, this request to come and to heal his servant. And 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 these 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 Jewish leaders, they go. And, and they say that the Centurion, he's worthy, he, he loves our nation. but the Centurion is like, no, 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 I, I don't consider myself worthy. Jesus, don't come. And the Centurion, he recognizes that Jesus can heal from a distance. like there's no doctors, no doctor appointment that, that's required. There's no examination, there's no prescription of jar, drugs. There's you know, if you don't get better, uh, I'll come back in a few days. Um, let me know in a few weeks no this there's this incredible humility i don't deserve to have you come into my roof the centurion says but yet the centurion still recognizes jesus's authority and he says just say the word even from a distance and my servant will be healed and and jesus is amazed he's amazed and he says to the crown i haven't seen faith like this even in israel A faith, a faith that trusts in jesus a faith, a faith that trusts in his authority, that trusts in his power, that trusts in his word, that trusts in his rule. Jesus is amazed at this man's faith. Get this. It's in a good way. Jesus is amazed at the centurion's faith, and it's in a good way. Now turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 6. Um, our passage this morning is chapter 6. We're only going to look at the first six verses. What is different, or what I want us to notice in Mark chapter 6, is that Jesus is still going to be amazed. But it's not in a good way. Beginning at verse 1. Jesus left there. Where is there? Capernaum. And went to his hometown, Nazareth. Accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. That's right. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Jehudas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was
1: amazed at their lack of faith. As I mentioned, according to scripture,
0: Jesus is amazed at two different times and for two different reasons. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus was amazed at the centurion's faith. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is amazed at the people's lack of faith. Of all the things that we could imagine Jesus being amazed at in Scripture, in both cases, it involves faith, an abundance of it, or a lack of it. Jesus wasn't amazed at their status or their power or their wealth or how well they spoke or how well they dressed or what they, what they wore or what they drove or where they lived or how, how good they looked, how charitable they were. No. It was about faith. Now, God also takes unbelief seriously. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, I'll read it. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away
1: from the living God. Now, this is not the first time that the people in Jesus' hometown... It's not the first time that they've turned away from the living God a year earlier
0: Jesus was in his hometown and he was teaching in the synagogue it was his custom and he and he stands up and he reads the scroll of the prophet Isaiah now I'm going to read now from Luke chapter four again this is one year earlier in Jesus's hometown beginning at verse 16 of Luke chapter four And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Wow, they were amazed, right? Jesus says that he is there to preach the gospel to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, and to the oppressed, but because of their unbelief, they were unwilling to see that they were poor, that they were prisoners, that they were the blind, that they were the oppressed in need of his saving grace. They wanted miracles. And Jesus reminds them at that time that it was Israel that rejected God's messengers of redemption in the past. And that's why he, could, you know, he sent Elijah to visit Gentile widows and Gentile lepers, not Israel widows or widows and lepers in Israel. But he went to the Gentiles. Jesus confronts their unbelief by citing past events. And we read in verse 28 that they were furious. They're no longer amazed. And they want to take him to a cliff. There's no praise the Lord or amens. And that's where they wanted to kill him. They wanted to throw him off it. But it says in verse 30 that he walked away. They wanted to kill Jesus. So here a year later in Mark chapter 6,
1: Jesus is returning to his hometown They don't want to kill him this time. They don't even want to kick him out. They just don't take him seriously.
0: Now, a couple of brief things about unbelief. The first thing we read is that, well, we see is that it obscures the the obvious. You know, the people were amazed at his teaching. They had heard of his miracles. Maybe even his... His healings, but in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Where did this man get these things? This wisdom, he even does miracles. It's interesting in verse 3 in the Greek, the word man is replaced with fellow. Where did this fellow get these things? This wisdom, he even, he even does miracles. It was a sign of disrespect. It was a sign of disrespect. Jesus, the Son of Man, standing before their very eyes. And instead of believing and embracing the wisdom, the power, the healings, the miracles, the teachings, they snarl their nose at him. And so unbelief obscures the obvious, but it also highlights the irrelevant. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? I mean... Why focus on these things? They're they're irrelevant. They don't address the true question. Is he the son of God? I mean, why do you start asking about if he's a carpenter? Why, 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 maybe he's a prophet, maybe he's a religious authority. And then then to make that matters worse, and there's some debate around this, but I'll take this side. Is not this the son of Mary? I mean, in Luke four before we saw, is not this Joseph's son? I mean, are they suggesting that it was an illegitimate birth? Perhaps. Others would suggest that maybe Joseph had passed away.
1: Perhaps. But they focused on his earthly family. Right? Brothers, sisters. I mean, they didn't
0: focus on his divine person. They didn't recognize that they could be part of the spiritual family. And so the unbelief, not only does it obscure the obvious, not only does it highlight the irrelevant, but they also attack the messenger. I mean, in verse 3, it says, and they took offense at him. (laughs) This means that they were scandalized. They were shocked. They were appalled. They were outraged. How dare you claim to be the son of God? In John 15, verse 20, we remember that I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. And so they attack the messenger, and then unbelief also turns away power. We read in verse 5, he could, do, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Makes sense. If, if miracles attest to the truth, that he is the son of God, and the people rejected the truth, well, no need for miracles. Maybe that's why we just saw a few. But you see, the people's unbelief obscured the obvious, highlighted the irrelevant, attacked the messenger, and turned away power what's jesus's response verse six he was amazed at their lack of faith they had no spiritual perception of who he was they thought they knew him they thought they knew him but they did not warren wearsby wrote a tourist eager to see everything in the art gallery fled from one picture to another scarcely noticing what was in the frames I didn't see anything very special here, he said
1: to one of the guards as he left. Sir, the guard replied, it is not the pictures that are on trial here. It is the visitors. And so as we read this, how do we apply what we've
0: read, what we've heard? This is the so what moment. This is the get real moment. I mean, the question is, is Jesus amazed at my faith? Or is he amazed at my lack
1: of faith? What are some reasons
0: that people might lack faith? Well, how can Jesus love me? If he knew my past. If he, if, he knew, if he knows what I've said, if he, if he knows what I've done, if, if, he, if he knows where I've been, how could God love me? Perhaps we, we doubt his goodness. We saw it in Genesis. Did, did God really say, don't eat that apple? Oh, sure. No. You know, perhaps someone's experience, and we've been hearing this this morning, Tragic pain or loss. And you don't understand how a loving God could let things like this happen. For for others, maybe it's not willing to relinquish control. Uh, Our horse called life is out of control, but we refuse to give Jesus the reins. Praise the
1: Lord. And amen should help us to stay away from that cliff. Yesterday, we had a baseball practice, our first one of the year.
0: And all the boys, 11 11 years of age, were gathered and we're trying to assess them, which teams they would play. And there was this woman who calls me over because the boy that she's with had a, a sore hand. And I said, okay, you know what? Go get, get your glove, do what you can and then come join the group and we'll make our best of it. And when that little, and, and I said to the boy, I said to the boy, I said, uh, is this your girlfriend? As I, as I pointed to the woman, yeah. no. And I said, uh, is it your sister? <laughs> no. He goes to get his glove and the woman turns to me and she goes, coach, I just want you to know uh,
1: Gabriel lost his mother recently to cancer. When I heard the nose, I froze. My, my, my heart bled. Um, empathy, sympathy for that boy,
0: that 11-year-old fumbling because of a sore hand i mean that was just a a small problem of much bigger problem and i thought to myself i don't even know i'll be on this is so this is the get real part i don't even know how to share my testimony right now i I don't even know what to tell this boy how how, how do i tell this boy about god right now and he just lost his mother put the boy with the group that, that was it for the interaction. the Boy, last night, Nancy's in the living room and we're talking. And I'm like, Nancy, I got to work this out. I'm, I'm having a hard time here. Um, see, what it is, is I assumed that the boy would blame God. And as Nancy pointed out, you know, myself personally, my testimony, I came to faith in God when I didn't have a father. Like, I didn't have an earthly father who was present, but yet I still embraced this eternal father, and I was willing to be part of his family. And so yesterday, me not sharing my testimony or, or freezing or asking these questions, in a sense, it showed my lack of faith. I mean, I assume that the boy would be mad at God. I mean, what if God had softened the boy's heart for a word of encouragement at just that time, and I missed that opportunity? Maybe I am the one who was truly blaming God at that moment. Maybe I'm the one who thought that God needed a lawyer. Okay, God, you have some explaining
1: to do. And so, after this whole conversation and Nancy helping me work these things out,
0: we watched a movie on Netflix. It's called Full Count. It has a lot of Christian undertones. There's a good message. I'm not recommending it. I'm not not recommending it. But there's a line in the movie that says, when you sow seeds of faith, it'll produce a lot more than seeds of doubt." And there was one verse that came up in the movie and it's John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so, yes, in that moment yesterday, I forgot about what truly amazes me about God. I forgot about the beauty of the art of, in the picture. I, I was just so focused on the frames I mean, I forgot about his teaching, I forgot about his power, I forgot about his authority, I forgot about his word, I forgot about his love, I forgot about his concern, I forgot about his mercy, I forgot about his grace, I forgot about his faithfulness. I forgot that we are all his children. I forgot that he loves the widows and that he loves that little boy. I forgot that my brother-in-law came to a saving faith before he died too of cancer at a very young age. I forgot to give Jesus the reins. I forgot the words, praise the Lord and amen. I forgot that, and we heard this this morning, that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. May Jesus be amazed at our faith and not our lack of faith. And I'm going to close with this. I got it from the internet as I punched in the things that amazed Jesus. The quote is from Wesley Ryden. What would happen if we were a generation who lived this way? with crazy, amazing, bold, believing faith. What would happen if we prayed like the Father in Mark chapter 9, verse 24 saying, I believe, help my unbelief. What kind of marriages would we have? What kind of kids would we be raising? What kind of social injustices would we be busting up? What kind of healing would we see? What kind of prayers would we pray? What kind of demons would we be casting out? What kind of miracles would we experience? Want in? Me too. If a Roman centurion a couple of thousand years ago can amaze Jesus with his faith, so can we. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that we would not forget those things that amaze us about you. We pray that you would increase our faith, that you would help our unbelief, that yes, our families would be stronger, that our children would grow up loving you, that uh, we would be a voice where there is social injustice, that we would see your healing where uh, people are, are going through bouts of uh, or struggles or fights of cancer, where people need Um, uh, uh, surgeries where people need kidney transplants father god you know where we need healing you know the prayers that we need to pray you know where there are um where satan has footholds in our life and we just pray for the freedom that that is available in christ father god you know the miracles that we need to experience we want we want to see them on our own life but we also pray that we through you would be perhaps the way that that miracle unfolds And so, yes, we, like that centurion, we want in. We want to have amazing faith. Father God, help our unbelief and draw us closer to you. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In your name
1: we pray. Amen.